Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Antisocial Podcast. If you haven't had a chance to listen to the first episode that I did with Syntax 7, I encourage you to do so. Because if you're familiar with today's guest, Jay Sniperton, and you've been in his community a long time, there's a good chance you've at least heard of Sin and his professional relationship with Jay. Now, whether you go back and listen before or after this episode is completely up to you, but I will say that I did reference that episode a few times throughout this conversation. Now, if you don't know Jay, allow me to introduce him, because I think he's someone worth knowing. Similar to my first guest, Jay is also a content creator whose main focus is streaming on Twitch and helping his community with endgame content in Destiny 2. But the similarities don't end there. He's also a husband and father trying to find that elusive work-life balance, and as a result of that, has found himself streaming a little bit less. We talked a lot about that, as well as what it's like for him to be a content creator who struggles with a certain contrast of being able to accept the positive feedback on what he does, but has a harder time with the positive feedback on who he is. And after talking about all that, along with many other things, my respect for Jay has only grown. He's a down-to-earth guy that's just trying to do the best he can with the hand he's been dealt, which I would hope is something we can all relate to. So, Thanks for clicking on the episode, and here it is, my conversation with Jason Iperton. How's it going, man? It's going good. How have you been? I've been pretty good. Uh, weirdly enough, yesterday was, I feel like every time uh, I hit a Sunday where there's a lot going on, I tend to like spiral into everything that stresses me out, and it's hard to get it out of that, and that happens to me mostly on Sundays, because it's like... Not a case of the Mondays, but it's like the anxiety of like the, the upcoming week and like sure. the future or whatever. Sure. So um, I was actually more nervous about this conversation than the one I had with Sin, because with Sin, we had scheduled something and then we didn't get to do it that time and we didn't get to reschedule until like two months later. So I had like two months of like <laughs> mental preparation and like fine-tuning what we were going to talk about and stuff and then with you we were scheduling something but i didn't actually i realized i didn't get a definitive yes so when i reached out to you again to make sure you actually wanted to do it you were like yeah can you do two days from now i'm like uh (laughs) (laughs) yes uh well it's just one of those things i always worry because my schedule's very tight right as far as like the family and stuff and i i literally can't do like anything during the week and on the weekends it's not until late and you're three hours later so it's like Mm -hmm. do i really want to ask him to be up at for you right now it's what 3 30 4 30 in the morning 4 30 yeah he wakes up for just for anybody's (laughs) listening he actually wakes up at this time i'm not i didn't be i wasn't like if you don't get up at 3 30 in the morning i'm not gonna talk so so here's the thing about that even is when we were ready to go uh last week we had scheduled it i feel mostly to blame because i decided to use a different app to message you through to say that i was like ready right then and there and you didn't get it because it was in, in your pending messages but in my head i was like This is really weird because I know Jay is not the type of person to like flake out. (laughs) 
I would let you know beforehand. But if right now came up. he's flaking out, so I I don't know <laughs> what's going on. And I so you know, I'm gonna go ahead. I was just gonna run through my perspective. So my wife was streaming on our channel, and I and I and I had told you like you know let's plan for if your 4 a.m. my 1 a.m. But then she was running a little long, so I was like keeping Peter updated on what was happening. Right. And I was like, let's shoot for five your time. That should be good. Yeah. And I messaged Peter five minutes before. And I'm pretty much ready to go. And I'm like, hey, do you by chance have like a Discord server you'd like to get us connected to? Or how do you want to do that? And your response, and I don't have it pulled up, or maybe I do. Uh, he said, I'll DM you in a minute and we can do a call through that. So full and disclosure. And I was sitting here for about a half an hour <laughs> waiting for the DM. Full disclosure, came. when I had messaged you that, I was pooping. <laughs> And I was like, okay, That's great. he's ready to go. And I went back to the office and messaged you on Discord because that's where I was going to call you from. And, I, and when I said DM, I, I said, I'll DM you in a minute. And for I some reason, I had for Twitter for some reason. Yeah. And, and I was, and I was waiting for, cause like whenever you get a Discord, cause I have Discord like up, right? It's up. Yeah. And whenever you get a DM through Discord, like a little face pops up and it like, you know, it's like the icon of the person under the DM thing. And it didn't. And then like, what, the next day I was just I was like, why does it say two message requests? And I click <laughs> it and you're one of the two. And I was like, it didn't come through. Why wouldn't it come through? Right. Like we're in the same servers. Like you would think that that would come through. I don't know. It's weird. Well, I don't know if they just changed that or not. Yeah, it's now know. it's like Twitter where there's the requests. Well, we're here. Yes. Uh, so all, all of that just to say that we made it. We made it, and you didn't flake out. Quite the contrary. <laughs> we were both trying to be nice about it too. We were both. I was sitting like, down. so. <laughs> so is this like? Was thirty minutes ago? Was that five year time, or did I mix something up somewhere? Like that's what I said in my head. I'm like, where were you the last half hour? Yeah, you, I mean, you were clearly just being thing. nice. And after the, I had realized what had happened, you were like, I realized that you being like, just want to make sure I didn't. Uh, get anything confused that's basically you being like all right so i was right and <laughs> you did screw it up um <laughs> it's so silly uh so when when did you start streaming and more importantly for me why i've told this story before anybody that's part of our channel has probably heard me tell the story at some point um one thing that I don't often say is that I actually the very first stream I ever did was like unlisted. I just had like the Xbox one connect camera. Mm -hmm. I was on my couch in the living room and it was like, I'm pretty sure it was the destiny one beta. So whenever the beta came out, that was like 2014. And I was like playing through the campaign. You got to play through a couple of Cosmodrome missions or something. And my buddy Z Sniperton was at work watching. And he was the only viewer and it was just him and I basically watching. I don't know. I streamed for like three or four hours and I didn't stream again until August 18th, 2015. So however long after that, over a year after that, oh, that's a long time. And from that date, it was like full time hours. Like I was going 40 plus hours a week from day one, six days a week. And the reason that I started streaming was, I don't know, it was like six months, five months prior. In March, I had resigned from the startup that I was a part of because it was just bleeding me creatively and I was just done. 
um, after three years. I had I wasn't even really getting paid at that point either. It was all stock and stuff. But I resigned from that and I was like, you know what? I just need to like take a minute before I figure out what I'm going to do next. And I had been buying and selling stuff on eBay. My wife had a solid job. We had some savings from when my dad passed away. So we were doing okay financially. And I mean, that's why I got to do the startup in the first place. Right. And so I just, I loved Destiny. I had never really been a Raider at all. And I was like, you know what? I really want to find a new group to play with because my buddy Z Sniperton, he never plays anymore. And I don't want to sit here and wait for him because I'm, I don't want to be a jerk and be like, hey, when can we play? He's got a family, got kids and everything. I didn't at that point. Right. And so I was like, all right, I'm just going to find my own group to play with. So I go on the 100.io. Some of you may have heard of it. I remember this that. Is, yeah. In March of 2015. And it was hopping at that point. Is it still a thing now? It is still a thing, I believe, but it's very like skeleton, like not very many people use it. I think I don't know. Maybe the people if you still use it, I'd love to hear. But I think some people probably still do. You, I think you can still set up games and whatnot there. Right now, but, there's uh, the Destiny 2 LFG on Discord, which is probably yeah. the biggest one people use, especially with crossplay too. it was PC for a long time and right for everything. Um, So. I you could have like a search criteria. You could say like, you know, roughly how old you are, uh, the style of play you want, you know, just like kind of relaxed or competitive, uh, the time of day you like to play. And so I like put all that input in there. You know, I was I think I was like 29 at that point or I'm, I'm I was almost 30. I turned 30 that year, I think. So I did that and I just got thrown into a group and right away, like that night, 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. my time, they're like, we're doing we're doing Crota hard. We'll teach if you don't know how to do it, join up. And they'd have like multiple it would be like two or three grade groups in one night because you could only have you could have 100 people in the group and it was very active. Uh, I didn't know it was like a group. I didn't know there was like a like you joined like a group of 100 people. I just thought it was like an LFG thing. Yeah, up to 100. Ours had like. 60 or 70 and it just like tossed me in based on my search criteria Oh, okay and so i was like all right well i don't really know how to do crota yet so i'm gonna join up and that was like the start of me basically raiding every night 11 to 3 consistently for i don't know four or five months and fast forward to august uh and somebody just off the cuff you know i had spent a little bit of time on on twitch i think basically the main time that I'd spent was when Bungie was doing their reveals and they had goth there and they had Broman there. I watched a little bit of goth and Broman, but I never really chatted because I never felt like, you know, their chats were going so fast. Right. So I was like, I'm never going to, they're never going to see my messages. So I just kind of watched mm -hmm. and, um, I had subbed to maybe one streamer Brobecue. I don't know if you've ever heard of Brobecue. Never heard of Brobecue. He played destiny back then. And he was the first streamer that I had typed in chat that he responded to immediately. So I was like, oh, I'm going to sub to him. Yep. He's like responding to me. Yep. And he and our buddies now. But um, back then, I just saw myself as a viewer. And somebody from our group, as we're writing, they're like, somebody should stream our shenanigans because we're having a lot of fun. We're laughing a lot. We're drinking you know, once or twice a week. Just just having a blast. Right. Yeah. Not probably the most PG <laughs> like Twitch friendly <laughs> stream at that point as much as teenagers and young teens spend on twitch i mean there's so much proof to show that it's not really yeah. a family-friendly site <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. And so I was, I just kind of, I volunteered. I was like, Hey, you know, I have a decent PC. I could probably figure it out. And I was kind of excited. It, that, that like sparked the idea and it kind of got me excited. And so for the next two days, all I did was like go to YouTube, look up tutorials, try to figure out how to use OBS, set up basic stuff, figure out how I can stream without a capture card because I didn't have a capture card. So I used the Xbox remote streaming before you could like stream your Xbox from the living room into your computer room through the network and like play on a monitor. Oh, interesting. I would imagine for nine months. Oh, I was just saying, I would imagine there's a lot of lag. There's it was like 50 or 60 milliseconds of latency. So I got used to that. And well, I mean, I was playing PVE, so it was not super crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, And smart TVs are like can be like 30 to 40 milliseconds. So not that much of a difference. Trying to play on console out in the family room is rough compared to being, you know, in like a nice PC setup and stuff. Right. But so I set that all up and I and I was streaming and I and I had my headset. I, it was like I didn't have anything. I didn't spend any money the first like week. Right. And then after the first week, I was like, you know, I really enjoy I was in I was putting like six, seven hours in a night, six nights a week, um, some nights even more. And then I was like, you know what? I kind of want to try the green screen thing. This this fabric cost me eighteen dollars at Joanne's fabric. I still use the same one. Do you ever have to wash it? Like, do you ever no, get so I mean, rowdy? It's probably that? dingy and dirty. The bottom of it, like, it's too long, so it's been sitting on the floor for right. years. It's terrible. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> um, so yeah, I did that, and then the first mic that I got was the Blue Yeti. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know about a month in, and and at that point, like, those were my main expenses for like nine months. But so it was forty-five days. So just for context, it, it took forty-five days to hit hundred followers. That's awesome. So, and the only people generally that were in the stream were people from our 100.io group. Okay. And I was streaming 40 plus hours a week. This is just context. Like it was theoretically easier to grow back then, but I didn't know anybody. Right. But if I wasn't streaming, I was on the platform. So So how many streamers would be playing Destiny at the same time as you, would you say? Like how many, like what were like the top... Triple Wreck was often late at night. And what was he? What was he pulling? How many viewers? I don't know. A couple thousand, easy back then. Okay, that's interesting. I'm trying to think of who else was late at night. There wasn't a ton. Right, because late at night the the directory gets smaller, and so I would imagine after Triple Wreck it kind of goes way down to probably like a hundred, couple hundred. Yeah, I'm really trying to remember who used to stream that late back in the day. I, I don't think they still do. I mean, very. Right. I feel like not very many people from back then still stream in general. Yeah. Let alone Destiny, you know. How did you start connecting with Sin? Um, by the way, I hope you get a chance to listen to the, the interview because he... I definitely will go back and check it out. We went over it. his whole journey and uh, mm-hmm. it was pretty eye-opening because um, you... I. I have your tweet up here because I want to talk about the whole Twitch rev split thing in a bit. Mm -hmm. But you said you uh, I often think of all the friends over the years that have since stopped streaming and left the platform. And if it would have made a difference. And after talking to him, it was pretty obvious that. That might have made a difference for him, but ultimately, if it did make a difference for him to keep streaming, I think Ultimately, what I'm trying to say is he 
made the best decision when he made it. Sure. Because he had mentioned he was close to quitting his job. Um, mm-hmm. And then everything changed for him. And so he was like, that was like the best decision I ever made. So it might have, you know, at least from, for him, it, it might have made a difference, but maybe in a worse way, which I thought was interesting. But um, I'll have to go back and listen to that. Um, so, yeah, what how did you how did you start connecting with them? I'm trying to remember. I do remember there was a mutual friend that we had another streamer. So, like I said, if I wasn't streaming during the afternoon, I was at home. I didn't we didn't have any kids at that point. I was doing other things like eBay and whatnot. And I'd be I'd have Twitch open every like I'd stream for six to eight hours a night. I'd sleep for a while. And then when I was awake, Twitch was open. When I was awake and my wife wasn't home during the day, Twitch was open. Mm -hmm. I was like finding just finding people on the platform. And it wasn't like a networking thing for me. It was like, I want to make friends that like things that I like. I like Twitch. Uh, I like Destiny. I want to find people that are like minded, that are like not assholes that I can have a conversation with, um, that I can show support to and all that kind of stuff. I didn't even tell them that I was a streamer. Right. Most of the time. That's so cringe. I don't. (laughs) And and they would find out later and they'd be like, why didn't you tell me? And I was like, because that wasn't what I was there for. I was there to hang out and chat with you, you know? Right. And so I don't remember exactly who it was, but we were in a stream and I was talking and I saw Sin and I just I think I mentioned like, hey, really, really enjoy your stream because he was doing a lot of raid helps back then and stuff. And I just liked his demeanor. He was always very calm and helpful. and. Was this pre King's Fall or during King's Fall? I mean, Fall? I started streaming during King's Fall. Okay. Essentially. It was All like right. a month before King's Fall came out. Okay. So it was that year of King's Fall where that's all we had was King's Fall. Yeah. And uh and I messaged him and I think he DM'd me, like, hey, I know who you are and really appreciate the support. And and that was kind of like I remember being so nervous and like shaking a little bit when I got that DM. I was like, oh my God. A partnered st- I think he was partnered at that point. If not, he was close to it. He's like this this big shot streamer guy sent me a message and I was like all excited and like shaking. And and that kind of was like, you know, I really appreciated that he took the the moment to kind of show support or reach out and, and respond as opposed to, you know, a lot of people are just like, ah, eh, you know, they get these messages all the time, don't need mm-hmm. to respond, whatever. And he respectfully DM'd me probably because he didn't want to do it in the chat because, you know, that's the way that he was. If somebody said hi to him or something, he'd DM them because he didn't want to take away from the stream that he was in either. And that's I I got some of that morality kind of uh, what's the word etiquette type stuff from sin pretty early on. Yeah. And so I really respected that. And so then I started hanging out in his stream a lot more. And I think we had some other mutual friends like Domadema69, who still hangs out quite a bit, mm-hmm. was uh, a big fan of, of Sin as well. And so it was just, and, and Doma and I, he was like, I don't know, he, he was one of the first 50 follows on, on our channel, I'm pretty sure. And he's still around and yeah. he's one of my favorite people. And I remember streams where it was just him and I chatting, like literally yeah. him and me and that's it, you know, like. Any any newer streamer remembers those days of of the first viewers or community members that they get. And it's pretty important. I mean, but, I feel like as far as my stream goes, it's, you know, I have that with with one other person. 
but my stream never really grew so i feel like i still have that now which i yeah. personally love there's nothing i mean there's nothing wrong with that some of those people early on that i have a, that i had a deep connection with i still do now yeah and you know whether they're in stream often or not every time i see their name like all those memories flood in and i immediately want to like ask them all the questions about how they're doing and one of the one of the hardships i you know not complaining about where I am or where we are at any by any means, but one of the things is something will happen like I'll ask them and I'm genuinely interested in how their day or their week or month or how things are going. And then a raid will come in or mm -hmm. something will happen in game and I get distracted. And then, and then, you then don't the get next to see the message. Right. I miss the message or like I just get sidetracked. And the next day I'll be like in in the house and I'm like, crap, I asked this person how they're doing and I don't think <laughs> Or, or two hours later and they're gone, you yeah. know, for, for whatever reason. And I just feel horrible. Like they probably think that I ignored them, you know, just so. Well, the people I, that are around understand. Yeah, they get I it. Mean, I mean, chat, you have a you have a pretty lively chat constantly. So, you know, they they can see them their own message getting lost in it. And you're 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 busy. You're you it, clearly want to know. It's not like you're just saying right. it to be nice you've known them for long enough for them to know that so but it is one of those things where sometimes i miss those times where it's just a few of us you know what i mean so you can have long yeah. conversations about one topic or something and you don't get easily sidetracked the way that i do have you ever thought about trying to figure out a, a way to make that happen at least occasionally well that's why we do some of the the like community night type things Mm -hmm. And the last two years have been, and, and the word that I've been using for myself is complacent and not necessarily lazy, but with the addition of our second kiddo, our daughter, who's now in two and a half, I probably spent more time with family than I had before that. Mm -hmm. And that was like an active choice. And, you know, I'm making less on, on Twitch and stuff, but it was like, a choice to stream less or to not do as many extracurriculars, not put as much stuff out on like TikTok or Twitter or whatever. And I wanted this year to kind of go back to what, what it was um, before, but then we got the puppy. And so now I've been <laughs> this puppy, I swear. It's yeah, like having a newborn cute, man, all over but again. Yeah. A puppy is <laughs> a puppy can be, cause you gotta, I mean, it wasn't trained at all when you got it, no, right? No, yeah. no. So, yeah, that's been I was like trying to commit to doing like a YouTube video a week and all this stuff. And I can't leave him unattended or he starts chewing up the carpet or starts ripping up right. a toy or so it's been it's been tough. But um, going back to your original question, I do want to do that more. At the same time, I do always have to be thinking about the business side, which kind of sucks because. Yeah. You know, this being my job, um, making that active decision of, hey, we're going to do something else uh, because I want to connect with the community, which is something I always want to do. But I always have to be cognizant of, OK, viewership's going to get cut in half mm -hmm. uh, unless I can find a way to also make it fun, which just takes time. You got to plan and think of ideas that will potentially bring other people in as well. But I do very much enjoy doing game nights and connecting with with folks. But I. You know, a lot of times it's um, you got that in the back of your mind that you're 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 very cognizant of making less money, which 
I hate for it to be something that I have to think about, but it's it's I don't know. Well, you're being realistic about it. You know, it's obviously, ideally, money would never be an issue. Right. But I mean, it's not even necessarily like money from the community. It's, you know, one or two nights of lower viewership can impact potential sponsorship opportunities or it, it, there's like more uh, long game stuff there, too. Right. So it's it's good to be consistent. But I do often want to do more community things, which is something that I'm going to be doing more of this year, I think, anyways. Yeah, it's hard to uh, it's hard to balance it all out, man, because you can't have everything right you can't have the best of every aspect of life you gotta sacrifice something no matter what you're doing which is really unfortunate um but i hearing you talk i feel like i'm i've recognized a trend with you sin and myself about you know trying to stream as much as you can and then sort of like realizing that up to a certain point, it kind of has its detriments that you don't realize until enough time goes on. And as selfish as it seems to focus more on yourself, it's, I mean, that's as healthy as you can get is making sure that you're okay. Sure. You know? So you, when did you get partnered? October 26th, 2016. So just over a year after starting. Okay. And you got the 70 30 split. Not, not, not initially. Not initially. It's something that you had to have a certain number of uh, recurring subs for a certain amount of time before you could apply. And you had to like reach out to your partner manager if you had one. uh, And they would basically make the call on whether or not they want to offer you that. So for anybody that doesn't, isn't aware of this, um, that when, when I talk about the 70, 30 split, that's when you get a subscription on Twitch, most people now get a 50, 50 split. They get half of the, of the sub and then the other half goes to Twitch. Um, for a while people were getting, people were able to apparently apply for a 70 30 split where the streamer would keep 70 and twitch would get 30. um and sin had said something about uh he was very aware of the fact that twitch was a lot about who you knew and i was just curious if you like had any like unique connections at twitch no no um i believe i had messaged sin about it as well or, or you know maybe a couple of our other close friends because we were told to keep it hush hush at the time right um did he get it do you know i i don't know if he did or okay. not uh we so this is before affiliate ship was a uh was a thing this was you know this was you only got sub button if you were partnered period there's no gifting back then either so you know recurring subs of a certain amount for months you know it was at least i think it was three months in a row you had to at least show a certain number of subs to to be able to ask and that's what it was most partners back then were assigned a partner manager and i was assigned one who you know for his best efforts was not very communicative in general and i reached out to him after hearing about it and basically said you know, what do I need to do to get this? And he's right. like, well, 
you need to have this for this many months in order to even qualify. So then I waited and sure enough, we hit those for we hit the number for a certain amount of months. And so I reached out again and was able to get it. So um, real quick, just to backtrack, uh, when you got partnered, do you remember what you were averaging in terms of viewers? Viewers? Yeah. Back then, partnership was about 150 consecutive. You had to have it was an unspoken number. There was no path to partnership or anything. It was an unspoken one, like north of 150. And I we had been hitting that number for about five months before I actually got I, I got denied nine times before finally getting partnerships. And that got was denied also, nine times, too. That's yeah. really weird. The funny thing is, though, this was we had started getting the numbers about April or May. And then May, June, July, I think those three months, there was a rampant view botter going through the directory. Mm. And we'd be at like 150 to 170 viewers. And all of a sudden it'd go to 250 to 300. And I'm like, great. And and so every time I applied, Twitch would be like, you have inflated viewership. We can't accept you at this time. And I had no like it was literally yeah. every other stream for three months was getting view botted like that. And it was not just me. It was like everybody in the directory that was a certain number. And I don't know if this person thought they were helping or whatever. I tried a bunch of different strategies like, oh, we love you. We don't, you know, or maybe they <laughs> knew that Twitch wouldn't accept you. I have no idea. I was just show. trying to my my public persona was we'll get it when we get it, you know, yeah. and my inner persona was I was so pissed off, upset, like because I was making nothing. Well, very close to nothing. I think I had made about fifteen hundred dollars in the year that I streamed before that point. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's just through tips, right? Right. And partnership was like back then, if you got partnership, you could almost uh, reasonably call yourself full time, like immediately. That's how instantaneous it was. And we had just had our kid in June. And that that whole time was very stressful for me because I was like, I can't play any other games. I can't do anything different. I have to stick to this until it works because I know it will. And it was just six months of me just stressing out like crazy. And then all of a sudden, October hits. We get partnered. Uh, my mom finally <clears throat> starts respecting and recognizing what we're doing because she was like, you need to get a real job. You have a family now, you know? Yeah. And, and I'm like, no, no, no. You just you don't understand. You just got to wait. It's right there. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so it was very stressful, but I was trying to keep a, you know, I was trying to keep a good a positive face on, which was very tough, but. Right. Um, anyways. So you, first of all, this, the spoon thing that you do <laughs> is crazy to me. I don't know how you learn to do it, but it's like one of the most unique, consistent things I've seen on Twitch. And that I feel like comes from somebody that likes to entertain people. Sure. And I would only imagine that's why you started streaming is because you like to connect with people, but also know, understand that you can, you know, make people laugh and stuff. And then I've also heard you say a couple times, admit that you often think highly, more highly of others than yourself. And that's just super interesting to me because it seems like there's a, a, a disconnect there between not thinking super highly of yourself and also being a streamer who is trying to grow their stream and get more viewers 
and yeah. make it to, to, to make it a full time thing. So I was just I was just wondering what where that maybe not necessarily where that comes from. Like we don't have to go dig into your childhood or anything. <laughs> but, I'm gonna do it anyways. Okay. That's just that's what I do. Well, I'm an overshare. Well, I mean, I I I love that about you. It's it's honesty. Um. So, so yeah, it, it's it's interesting because that doesn't make any sense if I'm if I'm being honest. I think imposter syndrome is a very normal thing in this space um, because it's a lot of people who often are introverted or, you know, very kind of recluse and and not very outgoing. And they're putting themselves in this space that is the opposite. And when people start to get reactions or positive feedback or whatever, our brain goes, this isn't real. They don't actually like me. Um, they think that I'm somebody that I'm not because of this persona that I am online. Like I think of myself the same person, but even, even the most same person streamer out there is a more elevated version of themselves on stream. And you know, whether it's, you know, you're a little bit more animated, you talk more than you normally would in person. Cause I'm not a very talkative person around people that I don't know. And you know, you try to you start thinking things like, well, they don't know this other side of me where if they learned about this part of me, they wouldn't like me or mm -hmm. I did these things when I was younger. And if they had seen that, they probably wouldn't like me and all this stuff. So it's very easy. And especially for people that are uh, perfectionists like I am, you know, if something's not perfect, I'm really hard on myself. And there's people out there similar to me where there's no harder critic in the world other than ourselves. Right. And it's and it's the same way with a lot of people. I think, but that I don't know how to describe it, but whenever I get a compliment whenever anybody tells me something my, nice, my brain just goes, no, that's not, you, you don't actually believe that. I get and that with like my family members, like when my mom would tell me how good the song I wrote was or how, right. How good yeah. at something I am. Like, you're <laughs> just saying that cause you love me. Yeah, exactly. No, but it's like that because it's like that, but like extrapolated, right? Yeah. And a lot of that is being on the platform for seven years. I've seen a lot of things and I've seen a lot of different types of people and I've seen good and bad. And people will tell you that people are two faced a lot of the times in entertainment. They they think if they tell you something nice or something good and they get on your good side, they can use your influence to boost their own. Yeah. And as much as I hate to admit it, it is something that exists on Twitch. and. I'm always like, I have this big shield up and it takes a long time to get past that for me. Right. And so even with, and, and I'm not saying that like people in the community that I've known for years are like that. Um, or the majority of the people that give compliments and stuff, but that's where my brain immediately goes to like, what's the purpose here? Yeah, it's a defense uh, then, mechanism. Right. And also growing up, go going back to childhood. Um, mm -hmm. I always fought to be noticed. I always was, the youngest, smallest, always wanted attention, never felt like I got any. How always many siblings like, do you have? Uh, one older brother, but he was five years older, never wanted me around kind of thing. Right. And um, my, I think now as an adult, it goes back to, I just want to feel understood. Yeah. And I never felt understood in high school. Uh, it, like I had friends and people genuinely, like generally liked me, I think. But nobody ever understood me because I'd say something and they just look at me and be like, dude, what are you talking about? Yeah. And they just like literally there were songs in the drumline made about how random I was because they couldn't follow my train of thought. <laughs> I'm not even joking. 
Like I'd say something, they just look at each other and be like, squat da 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 bow. And that was basically <laughs> like Jay's being dumb again. So I was the butt of the joke a lot of the times. And so I have this innate want to feel understood, which is one of the reasons why I overshare and talk about myself on stream. And streaming is cool because people can find you. I don't have to go looking for people, right? right. People find me and they're like, they connect with me. And then I feel understood because they're listening to me and they're like, yeah, I've, you know, I feel the same way or I get that. And so that's a huge thing for me. And when, I don't know. So growing up, always wanting to feel understood and with drumline and stuff, always fighting to be better. And, you know, it's a very cutthroat environment, always being told you're not good enough and all this stuff. So, you know, always fighting to feel good enough, always fighting to feel understood is just something that's ingrained in me. So where do you find like the courage to like do crazy things like the spoon thing and like, you know, I saw you the other day in, in the King's Fall raid in we'll call it the penis wall <laughs> yeah. with the with the with the things jutting out. Mm-hmm. And you what, what song were you playing? Uh, and you did like a little dick in a box. <laughs> yeah, that you... goes back to D1. So anything of note, anything that you find entertaining in the stream probably has come across or has come in a very random way. Because my brain is quite random, at least to most people is quite random. To me, it makes sense. But I'll like I'll have a conclusion, but my brain has already gone through the 10 steps to get to the conclusion. But I express the conclusion. Everybody else is like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And so I have to walk them through the process of how my brain got there. And then they're like, yeah, I still don't get it. <laughs> and um, now you just explained it. So it's less funny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 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 So uh, with spoons. It was an accident because something happened with an OB, OBS scene and I like changed it and I don't know exactly how it happened, but I was like floating and it did the it did the like multiplication thing, but it was just me. And I'm like, what is going on? I don't. This is great. Look, I have super long arms. <laughs> you know, I was just like making it silly and chat lost it. They loved it. And I was like, oh. This so, is something I should do as like a planned thing. And so I went. Uh, I had a buddy at the time who I'm trying to remember, uh, Drew P. Drawers, D-R-E-W-P-D-R-A-W-E-R-S. So that is wild that you Mm -hmm. know him. He is the brother of the guitarist of the band that I was in for many years. (laughs) It's funny. That is... Yeah, I've known... It's so funny that you mentioned him. I haven't talked to him in a long time, but like, you know, seven years ago, he was one of the people that I would hang out with. And I think he played Destiny at the time, but he he figured out these different effects and he has a YouTube t- tutorial, which is what I used to create the different scenes. Mm-hmm. And I just like literally I made scenes for the spoon thing and I choreograph it based on like and I'm hitting like stream deck buttons at every like major, you know, I have a music background, so I know right. like when to to do that stuff. But it's all manual and I'm just switching the scenes. And then with the the dick wall thing in D1, every raid, I had a little thing that I would do for each raid. And I remember going, you know, the big joke was it's a dick wall. And then I was like, I I don't know if somebody in stream said it or I said it. They're like, you should like play dick in a box or something. And so I did it and people and I just kind of handled it Those those things in the raid are kind of box shaped, right? They're like they're like diamond shaped. Aren't they? Sure. So maybe sure. that's where it came from. <laughs> maybe. 
I don't know. I I like to think I, I don't think of myself as innately uh, smart in coming up with those ideas, but I pay attention to when things work and when they don't. So, so the I, uh, sorry, I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah, yeah. I just noticed that because you said when somebody gives you a compliment, like it, it's so it's when somebody goes out of their way or tells you something that without reacting to something that you did necessarily, because you said you saw the reaction in chat and you're like, oh, they like it. Mm -hmm. But when you get a compliment, you're like, I don't know. I don't know if I believe you. I think it's the difference of something I did versus who I am. When I get a compliment over something uh, of who I am, I'm like, no, like you're looking really handsome today or something like, no, because I don't think that of myself. Right? right. But if they're like, yo, that thing that you did was really cool. I can take that because that's analytical feedback where I'm like, oh, I'm getting a positive response for something I did and they like it. I should do more things like that to get more attention. OK, that makes sense. It's like an analytical, critical type thing. You got to be self-critical and, and know what works and what doesn't, I think, is important. OK, yeah, because that was that's like an, that was an example that where I didn't understand that that disconnect where you're doing these sure. things to get the attention of people. But I would imagine somebody that didn't think very much of themselves wouldn't want the attention. I've always been a goofball. <laughs> I like it, it, it ends up being a lot of people laughing at me and I've just gotten to the point where I'm okay with it. I'm still yeah. getting a laugh, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's at me or with me. I'm not I'm not a very witty person. You know, I have friends that do that kind of stuff. I'll say something and they'll I, I, I'm good at setting people up because I'll say the weird random thing and they'll like crack a joke at it. Sure. And so it's like it's like a am the setup guy. Yeah. Uh, I'm not the punchline guy. It's just how it's always been. OK, well, um. Your questions of the day, every every day you stream, you have a new question that kind of it's like mm -hmm. a conversation starter in chat. Where do you get them from? Like, is it something new every day? Do you have a list? I. Because it, it's crazy. Can I, how, tell the, can I tell the story of how they came about? Can I sure, go back? Yeah, because okay, I mean, it's so, crazy how I every time it's literally something <laughs> new every I, time. I try I try not to have a repeat question within six months of each other as much as I can. So this goes back to, again, uh, Destiny 1, King's Fall. I remember specifically a moment, and it might have been the first night we ever did it or very close to it. We were doing Golgoroth Challenge. So just think about how long ago that was, where it was just Golgoroth Challenge. Like it was, we were, I remember we were averaging probably 20 to 30 viewers at the time. So it was probably like November or so, maybe December of, Super early of 2015. Super a few months after, I mean, we did we got to be on the, the streamer SRL thing, which helped the channel quite a bit. Cool. Um, and so it was probably around that time. <clears throat> but I remember when we were doing like raid stuff, Golgoth Challenge, chat would get very quiet, whether it was because they were watching or they were doing something else and lurking or whatever. And so my brain was like, OK, what can I do to spur some engagement like I've always had the ideal that streaming is the responsibility of the streamer to create engagement, not the responsibility of the chatter to create engagement. So, you know, through seven years, I've seen a lot of streamers like, man, I would have so many more viewers and so many more conversation topics if people in chat just chatted. 
I'm like, you're thinking about this wrong. <clears throat> Absolutely. This is your yeah. responsibility to to give them something to respond to. If you're not giving them something to respond to, they're not going to respond. If you're not right. asking chat questions or, or doing something silly, you know, viewers will respond to different things. They they will crack a joke at something stupid you did. They will uh, help you if you ask a question or if you're talking about something of their interest, like anime or something, they might respond to that. And so I was just thinking, okay, what can I do as the streamer to spur engagement? I was like, I don't know. I'm just going to like come up with a dumb question. I'm pretty sure the first question I ever did was what's your favorite pizza topping? And the goal for me is to get the person to think beyond a yes or no question. I want them to actually think about it. And I want to learn more about the viewer so that you know we can create a connection have a better community have them feel like i care because i do but i'm bad with small talk so i want it to be something stupid i want it to be something that people can theoretically argue over but it's stupid it's not important it's not politics it's not anyways so i try to do uh simple and food related stuff people always have an opinion about or you know giving them extremes like, would you rather have rare or well done steak? Not the one in the middle where everybody generally wants. If you had to choose between one or the two and you could only choose between those two, what would you do? I and honestly so don't it makes know. People, <laughs> right, exactly. It makes you think about it. It's like, well, you know, rare, uh, and well done is, uh, but if I could only have one forever, you know, uh, and at that time with 20 or 30 viewers, every single person that would type in chat, I would be like, hey, Ika Ark, how are you doing today? What's your favorite pizza topping? Literally every single person, I would ask them that question because I wanted to, I wanted them to, as weird as this sounds, I didn't want them. Okay, so how can I phrase this? When you ask somebody a question and they don't answer, it's rude, right? Right. So I was trying to create engagement (laughs) by tugging at their morale and like their heartstrings of like, well, I don't want to be rude and not answer the question. Right. You're forcing them to chat. basically. Exactly. But in a nice way, because I actually wanted to learn. But that was my like yeah, big brain me, idea. You're not saying like, hey, tell me a joke. <laughs> right. No, <laughs> it's, say it's something, something that's a relatively easy thing to answer. Not yeah. everybody answered, but right. it was like my I'm showing interest in you, mm-hmm. you know, and then and then that would just organically start stuff because somebody would say something weird or something that you wouldn't expect or somebody would have a typo and you right. could laugh about it or whatever so it was just those things and i do still believe that it's our responsibility to create that engagement yeah for sure uh so you said you got partnered right around when you had your first kid uh it was four months after man that's rough (laughs) i didn't stop i was like i can't stop streaming i think i gave myself a week right because you you because you said you were we and were it, we were there viewership wise. It was there. Right. And you were in it a decent like, financial place, but not to the point of being like, all right, I'll just stop streaming for a little while. Yeah, no. Right. Well, I mean, we didn't have any money coming in from streaming. Right. It was like, I can't stop this momentum right now before getting partnered. Right. Because, yeah. Um, and anybody that's ever been, quote unquote, on the partner push, which I'm not a fan of that term at all. Anybody that's ever been on the cusp of partnership, it's stressful because you're like, I can't play any other game. I can't change anything. I got to continue with this until we get the button. Well, and back then it was different. And it's like a it's like 
you're on this push to partner and you're advertising that. And so your your viewers and stuff want to help you. Well, no, no, no. I mean, I, I, I mean, like yeah, yeah. you as a general term. Sure. Um, and so your viewers want to help you get there. But then it's like, OK, they helped you get there. Now what? Now they don't really have any incentive to, like, help you get there or anything. So, yeah, sure. It's uh, I, I saw that a lot with peers around the time they do this big partner push and they triple quadruple their viewership for a month or two. And as soon as they got their button, it would they would go to like lower viewership than they had before. Yeah, which was bizarre. And so my whole thing was so many people would come in and be like, you have the viewership. Why are you not partnered yet? And I just had to be like, we'll get there when we get there, yeah. you know. So you have your your first kid. How does your schedule work out with your with your wife? Because Wiferton streams sometime around this time, but I feel like you're a night shifter. Is she a night shifter too? No, because kids no. are awake during the day. So our t our schedule is terrible. Yeah, that's that must be tough. We both have. I think I have roughly thirty to forty hours of single parent time during the week, and she has probably about thirty. Okay. Because the mornings she basically wakes up by herself, gets the kids ready for school and daycare, takes them, goes to work all day. I pick Theo up from school, uh, watch him in the afternoon, pick up Emma after daycare. So I have like six ish hours during the week other than maybe Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And then on the weekends, she often has them alone for five or six hours so I can get some sleep. Do you guys get to have a meal together at least? In the evenings, usually we're together like afternoons, evenings, or if if there's an event, she's like, all right, you, are you going to be able to wake up by 11 or something tomorrow? I'll be like, right. all right. Yeah. And then you have days off, too. Right. Right. I still mostly keep the schedule, though. I'll go to sleep a little bit earlier on the weekends. But I like when we were doing trips in the in the summer, I was waking up at like 738 a.m. And I like flip flopping schedules all the time is I hate yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not easy. Your body doesn't <laughs> like it. No. <laughs> But I but I'm like, I don't want to miss out, you know. So I'm I'm curious because me and my wife had this discussion uh, a couple days ago. Are your kids like how, how how do your kids handle like new foods? Like, are they picky eaters or very picky? They're very picky. I okay. think Theo's for the last year, I'm pretty sure Theo has ate chicken nuggets 300 days out of the 365. <laughs> <laughs> Dino nuggets. Like, seriously. Hey, or I, I don't blame cheese. him. Nuggies are good or macaroni and cheese, but only from the box and only the shells. Interesting. <laughs> like and how how old is your other kid? Two, uh, two, she'll be three in January. And how does she do with food? Better. We, we hear from her daycare that she eats pretty much everything. OK, but we don't often get a bunch of other things because one kid won't eat it, you know, so it's like feeding them different things it's tough yeah do you when you guys are able to like eat together i mean uh, theo is is super picky and he's kind of like that's where he is right now he'll eat vegetables though but emma's having a hard time with vegetables yeah. did you ever try just all having the same thing at the same time or we rarely eat together as a family to okay. be honest because she'll get home at like between 7 and seven thirty, and at that point it's like in about an hour and a half, we have to get the kids. Well, usually I feed them dinner when it's just me. 
So when she gets home, it's like, get them in the shower, get them ready for bed, read the books, get them yeah. in bed, get Jay fed, get right. Jay in the shower, get Jay ready for stream. <laughs> like all that stuff happens in a, in a fairly short amount of time. And so a lot of the time it's uh, my wife kind of taking over when she gets home for some things and right. I'm kind of like helping out, but also trying to eat and stuff to get ready for stream. Right. I just, I, it was, I was just really curious because our kids yeah, the schedule sucks. Yeah, our kids are really good about eating stuff that we put in front of them for the most part. Obviously, they are not going to eat everything. But I think one thing that has helped is, you know, offering the like letting them try it. You got to at least try the food. Mm -hmm. And then we are very fortunate enough to be able to have on the, at least on the weekends, we have every meal together and like Rowan is is uh 20 ish months and he'll eat pretty good but if he sees something like chips or you know the worst part of the meal sure, that's what he wants sure. the most but yeah so you know I know I know a few people whose kids you know they're super super picky and I just wondered where that came from cuz it's not like it's not like you don't care what what they eat right. it you know you try to get them to eat it as much as you can but you know so i was just curious where that how that develops or you know because i understand there there are some kids that just that are so picky because you know maybe they're on the autism spectrum and it's like a sensory thing we uh, do think our oldest is in that neighborhood too we we haven't spectrum. like gotten him diagnosed or anything but We'll be like, can you at least try it? And he'll like have this idea in his mind that it's disgusting before he even touches it. Mm -hmm. So like as, as soon as he puts it in his mouth, he's like, no, I hate it. Yeah. You know, it's like, dude, you didn't even give it a shot. Right. You know, yeah. you just have this predisposed notion. Uh, also, I grew up in a household where it was, if you don't finish this, you go to bed hungry. Um, or if you don't, if you don't want this food, regardless. So maybe I didn't have to eat all the vegetables, but what was put in front of me was my dinner period. Like there was no other, there was no requests. Right? right. And so I think and my wife's family was not like that at all. So partially their family often kind of need what's the word kind of bends towards those requests more often than I or my family would. Right. If that makes sense. Not yeah. to place blame, but uh, whenever I've tried the if you don't eat that, then I guess you're going to bed hungry. My wife will look at me and be like, no. You can have this, this or this. It's like, OK, all right. Yeah, you know, I don't want to be too much of a jerk. I don't want to like traumatize our kids, but right. I don't know. I think it's there's some disparity there, but I think a lot of it, too, is just like, honestly, my wife's not home when they're eating dinner and stuff. So we and I can't feed all three of us at the same time. Yeah, probably. I know how that goes. I probably could. But I, our I, house is a mess, too. I'd say that <laughs> probably breakfast for us is like everybody eats something different. Yeah. And and I've gotten really good at making my wife uh, over medium eggs. So like mm -hmm. that's just what I do now because mm -hmm. she just loves it so much and it's not that hard. But it's like she has the eggs. Rowan will have it's like something different every day. It's it's either, you know, oatmeal. Scrambled eggs or like peanut butter toast. And it, you never know whether he's going to even want it at that point or not. And then Ellie has something different every time. So yeah, I, I I totally get the 
usually I'll just eat standing up <laughs> because I'm like yeah, working right? on breakfast at the same That's time. That's what my wife does a lot of the time. Yeah. It's just easier that way. Our um, life is very unorthodox, very non like I don't know. Our schedules are so off and everything we're we're just kind of in survival mode all the time. Uh so you said in the tweet, I I I quoted the second half, but the first half you said very lucky to have the 70-30 split. $1 per sub made a huge difference to my family. Without it, I don't know if I'd still be streaming on Twitch, which I thought was really interesting. And I was curious, did you have a backup plan? No. <laughs> All right. Do I have one now? Nah, I don't know. Maybe. No, I don't know. My, well, You've kind of established yourself in the directory. And I feel like, if anything, you're you're coasting i don't mean to say that the funny thing it about that weird but the funny you want to know i mean I, i'm not gonna like tell numbers or anything but i'm making less now than i did five four or five years ago okay interesting even with the the gifted subs and everything huh yeah and and that's not i think it's just uh a relevancy issue for myself not keeping myself relevant mm -hmm. enough to and you know our community is amazing but some of the people are you know strapped like right everything's difficult and some of the folks over the years that have contributed so much like they've almost put the entire thing on their backs and you know like yeah i feel like that's a pretty common thing for you know to to have a handful of people out of the entire community be funding the majority of it yeah, I mean, subs are much lower than they were, too. <clears throat> but I mean, there's still like a baseline. Um, and and I, I attribute the majority of that to myself and my own, like, like I said before, complacency the last two years with with schedule. I, I, I haven't been streaming as much per month. I haven't been doing as many activities and things like that, too. I have this thing that I, I refuse to like, like do hype trains or do things that will bring in more money for myself or our family, which for as much as I feel no stress about that stuff or I don't feel bad about it because I'm not doing it, it's like I still feel like I'm shooting myself in the foot because I'm not taking advantage of opportunity or giving the audience a reason to contribute. Like some people have a sub goal or a tip goal or something like that to do something fun and interesting which mm -hmm. I don't look down upon other people doing it, but whenever I think about doing it, I'm like, I no, I can't ask our community to do that and give more. You know what I mean? Like, I just can't. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a lose lose. It sounds like. Well, it's one of the reasons why I try to get more sponsorships and stuff, because I feel like that takes away some of that. Sure. Uh, responsibility and stress from the community. Yeah, I mean, that's something I mean, that's a one of the main reasons that my stream just hasn't grown is because I can't promote myself in that way. It just doesn't feel natural to me and it never has. And it yeah. never will. I'm not a salesman. Yeah. I'm not good at selling myself. That's, that's part of the thing. Yeah. It's just, uh, that's why I like you because, <laughs> because <laughs> you're authentic and you don't want to, to come off as marketing yourself just so you can get, more money you know it just it just yeah. seems weird to me and I, t I talked to sin about this and it's like there's plenty of content creators that do that 
And they make it seem so natural and so simple. But when I think about trying to do that myself, it's doing things to increase engagement or doing things, uh, making posts to make sure they get a lot of likes and stuff or trying to get more subs is just something that I've never been about. It's not even why I started streaming. I started streaming because I like talking to people and I like playing video games and that's really where it ends. Right. So yeah, I, I did end up, I felt like I was in this mentality of I'm just going to do it for the reasons I want to do it and I'm going to do it how I want to do it and fingers crossed let's yeah, just right. hope I can get there and it, it just you know it was uh an unrealistic plan I guess for for growing the stream because it's like I just want people to follow me because they like me and hopefully a lot right. of people start doing it right that you know that's and this is something I got from sin back then too like you know, not doing sub goals or showing subs on stream. It's like, I, if people want to support the community and, and, and keep it going and stuff, then I want that to be reason enough. Yeah. Uh, but it has been uh, tough in that too, you know, in the same regard. And the landscape on Twitch is much different now than it used to be back then. You know, yeah, it was more, absolutely. I feel like it was more about community back then. Now it's more about. It's more of a business role. It's what it's more. It's more business related. Well, it's more business and it's more about like going. I wouldn't say necessarily going viral, but having those kind of moments. It's 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 a, it's more about creating moments now that people can latch on to and, and view you as entertainment in that way, as opposed right. to just purely community. And the streamers that are doing really well now, I feel like are able to capture those moments and market them. Right. You know, whether it's uh, seeming like it's for monetary gain or not, like there's a lot of clips that'll go viral that'll like instantly transform their stream and their community. Um, or if you play with somebody influential or something like that. But I was going to I, I'm, I'm kind of going to go back for a second. Sure. Because uh, you had talked earlier about sacrifice. And I, I honestly think to be successful in anything in life, like really successful their sacrifice right when i was doing drumline and drum corps if i wanted to be the best like everything else in my life was a sacrifice anybody that did sports back then you know knows sacrifice or or people that really wanted to be good or go to a collegiate level or whatever you were sacrificing personal relationship you were sacrificing uh interests and other things because you wanted to pour everything into that craft streaming is that way too right and that's why you don't see a lot of parents starting out as parents blowing up and being super successful yeah i was thinking about that how i don't know a lot of streamers that are really popular that are parents well they might be parents now but they weren't parents when they started right you know very few but i mean yeah i started before i think maybe right before i had a kid maybe yeah, I mean, the secret to success, it's it's fairly linear if you think about it. It's streaming a lot. And then when you're not streaming, being on the platform and, and being in other people's channels, taking your clips, putting on other platforms, being active on social media, like it never stops. And definitely the last few years, I haven't been doing a lot of the latter and I've only been streaming. And, you know, there's disconnect there and I felt it. You know, you're less 
relevant in the community, like going to GCX, like I did not really feel like part of it as much anymore after COVID and everything, because I've been so secluded to myself. So it's, it requires sacrifice and making the choice to spend time with the family takes away from, and not necessarily in a bad, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It was a choice. And I knew making that choice was going to have those results. And it was, you know, backed up with evidence, but I wouldn't trade anything that time for anything. And I wouldn't trade our community for anything either. Like the, like the people, it really shows me through my quote unquote complacency, the people that have stuck around, and have been there regardless of like, okay, I started two hours late tonight, or maybe I took a couple of nights off because the kiddos were sick or something. And the kid, the people that are still there, it really shows me like who really cares. Um, and not to say that people that aren't there don't care. I'm just saying like, it just actions speak louder than words to me a lot right. of the time. And the other thing too, is like, once you realize the exact sacrifices that you're going to have to make, if you want something, your decision on whether or not you're willing to make that sacrifice kind of like solves that problem on its own. Mm-hmm. And I'm not surprised at all that at the at the sacrifices that you've been willing and not willing to make uh, because, you know, you you care a lot about your family. You also care, care a lot about your community and you're just trying to find that balance which sometimes seems impossible but ultimately the decisions being made for you when you when you have to answer are you willing to do this or not sure um so you're a big you're a big candy fan Mm -hmm. like you're you're a candy (laughs) connoisseur right well yeah i mean i whenever i see something new of interest i have to try it like right did, were you allowed to have were you not allowed to have candy as a kid like was it was it like the i forbidden mean we, fruit? we did but there wasn't a lot of sweets kept in the house you know there was ice cream on occasion and whatnot but a lot of the times if i wanted sugar as a kid i had to make it so like i baked a lot as a kid oh okay because my uh my my sister and her siblings were not allowed very much candy as mm-hmm. kids and so now they love candy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're they're candy connoisseurs. So I was just wondering if there was like a neck a connection between being deprived of it versus being an adult, be like, now I can have it whenever I want. Well, I mean, that's what happened with retro games. So as a kid, we were never really allowed to buy games at all. We could only rent them because my mom was like, You're only gonna play them for a couple of days anyways, and then you're never gonna play them. So we had a few. We had a handful of games. Yeah. And then now as an adult, I've gone absolutely overboard. Yeah, so you have this uh, this podcast. What's it called? Mm-hmm. Retro Slot. Retro Slot Podcast, and you do it live on Twitch? Yes, and then it's also on YouTube and podcasting software through the DCP channel. Okay. How do you find so much to talk about with video games that have been out for 30 years? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of deep dive facts that the majority of people wouldn't, you know, wouldn't know. So we... We pick one main game to talk about. And so we'll like play the game. I'll do a bunch of research or, or Briar will on, you know, like them making the games, any interesting facts about the making of the games. Like, you know, was there burnout on the team? Did they like come from different games? Like how all that worked? Did you do you uh, play the games on stream or you just play no, it to research it and stuff? 
I mean, occasionally I will play it. I'm going to get some crap if anybody hears this from our community. Like, because my brain goes, oh, yeah, I'll play it on Monday nights before the podcast. I rarely ever do. Because um, that question comes into what's the best business decision. Uh, but I'll play it, you know, for a few hours off stream and then have some context. And we'll also talk about, like, if there's any retro news, because there's a lot, lot of games are coming back. A lot of games right. are getting remade. A mm -hmm. lot of like hardware stuff. We'll talk about retro news and then we just bullshit for the other part of the time. Cool. Yeah. Cause I was like, I mean, I, it, it's a cool concept and I obviously haven't checked it out yet, but I was like, what are they covering <laughs> <laughs> that hasn't, that would be of, of relevance. And so, yeah, that that's, that's pretty cool that you do a little it's deep. Nostalgia, man. Yeah, nostalgia is sure. always relevant. How long have you been collecting? I, I would say roughly 10 years. I mean, um, probably really seriously about 2014, 2015, but I was collecting like it started probably off and on collecting since like 2005, really. Um, I remember going on like cheap ass gamer in 2005 and trading like PSP games and stuff like that. Right. And um, but in 2010, 2011, 2012, it was like a main source of income for Well, it was a small source of income, but it was a significant source to like buy used games for cheap, resell them on eBay, make a little bit of profit. And then occasionally I'd get a game where I'm like, I really want to keep this, you know, and so I'd like put that one aside, sell the rest. And then there was a few years where like I would buy hundreds of games in a year and a couple of years where I'd buy thousands of games in a year and I'd keep like a hundred or so sell the rest and it was like a way to fund the collecting at a certain point because it's expensive mm -hmm. uh, more so now than it was 10 years ago right but i and, and we have never really made large amounts of money you know and the sacrifice and choice my wife chose a lower paying job um so that she could make her own hours and be home on tuesdays and stuff so taking the time that i had to build something that i wanted to but yeah uh, so when I, uh, I think it was like six or so months ago, I was looking into getting a switch and I had all this, all this retro hardware that didn't really hold a whole lot of sentimental value that I was willing to part with. And you helped me, uh, you, it was longer than six months ago. Pretty sure. Uh, maybe seven. Okay. Uh, cause I don't remember it was before or after I did a, my dopamine detox uh, that I talked a little bit to sin about, but it was around that time. And you helped me with that. You know, you helped give me advice on what to do. And uh, I, I, I sent you some games and stuff. It was January, February. Okay. So, yeah. so seven, eight months. Yeah. But I remember, I think it was around that time I was watching one of your streams and you were kind of conflicted. Or you seemed like you were having like second thoughts about your collecting hobby. And I was just <laughs> curious where you were at with that now. What What's so funny? I know because it's just it's a lot of time and lack of space in our house. We don't have a very large house and my stuff. I have over eleven hundred physical games, most of which Probably about 60% of are all complete in box, mostly NES, SNES, N64, stuff like that. And just the overflow of things into other spaces in the house and knowing that it, 
you know, my wife is kind of disdainful about it a little bit. Like she lets me do it, but she's like, can you like move this stuff out of the way, please? <laughs> That'd be really great if it wasn't in the hallway. Like um, even better if it wasn't in the house. <laughs> she knows that it's something that I enjoy and and she knows that I'm financially responsible about it is, is one of right. the keys too. Yeah, that's that's, um, that's pretty key. Yeah. And so, I mean, the last few months, probably just before summer, I kind of stopped looking on eBay and Mercari, like cold turkey. I've always gone through phases. Like I'll just, it happens a lot during like towards the holidays where I'm just like, I start getting the itch again and I start looking and it's just like ebbs and flows or a hundred miles an hour, like buying everything I possibly can to flip or keep or whatever. And so I haven't done anything really in the last three or four months, but I mean, games aren't going anywhere. <laughs> so and you I got bought this a, podcast. Yeah, I bought a few from the podcast that I didn't have, but it's like one game, you know, right. As opposed to 30 or 40 at a time. Uh, so you said um, you said you don't have a plan. You don't have like a backup plan for if like all of a sudden you had to stop streaming or whatever. Yeah, well, I've I've talked about this on stream before. I mean, streaming's not forever for me. Right. I mean, so it's not that's, for anybody. That's my question is, do you do you have a a trajectory? Yeah, or do I want to be a... in the game. I want to I want to stay in the games industry, but like behind the scenes, like game development or, you know, something like that. A lot of a lot of streamers will go on the community side from a company and that might be a foot in the door for me because I've been around for a while if, if I wanted to start somewhere as a community person or something, but that's not the job that I would want. Right. I like problem solving. I like creating. I like being creative. Um, I do have some dev background, so. Oh, okay. I think I generally believe, and I'm not a very good salesman of myself, but I generally believe if a company were to give a shot on me uh, that I would exceed their expectations because that's just how I am. Cool. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, because that's that's the whole thing is, you know, a lot of content creators are doing this now because that's all they can focus on is like the right. near future. It, that's all their that's all the job will allow is to stay focused on what's happening now, because if you don't focus you on that, you want to stay relevant. Yeah, right. So it's just always I think that's going to be a common question that I'll be asking anybody in the future, which after you. I have no idea who I'm going to reach out to next because I knew, you know, before the first episode, I was trying to think of who I wanted to reach out to for the first episode. And you were one of the first names that entered my mind because you were one of the people that I have been following for the longest. But then I was like, oh, yeah, I can talk to Sin, who was like he was like my first favorite streamer. And I knew that there was a lot of uh, unanswered questions that the community had. So I was like. I can do him and then i knew that you guys had a semi-close relationship as far as content creation goes so i was like that will be the perfect segue but now the the list is shortening of people that i'm super familiar with so i I'll, i'm i'm gonna be interested to see who i who i reach out to next but uh and i do want to put this out there since you brought sin back into the conversation uh we kind of moved away from this i want to make it very clear like how influential he was to the growth of our channel early on as well. Like he was almost always rating us, like sharing his community with us. There was a lot of people that were in both communities and stuff. Right. And just 
the kindness that he showed me and showed us forever was one of the most, I, if, if I could attribute any of our success to one person, it would be him. And he's going to, he would, if he heard that, he would brush it off and be like, no, 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 it's all you. But it's because you guys are weirdly was, similar. Right. And there was a lot in common in our personalities where our communities were like cross linked and almost any time he would bring people over, there was a lot of people that would stick around, you know, a lot of raids where people come in and they just kind of bail. Right. His community almost always like it was just very similar and would always just kind of show kindness and stuff. And so I, I've always appreciated that and wanted to give him credit. Crazy how the, uh, how the world kind of puts people in your life. I mean, especially with the dawn of the internet and Twitch and stuff, it's like you can find people that are so weirdly similar to you. Like mm -hmm. we didn't, we didn't get to it today. Um, and my son is awake and even though he shouldn't be, so I got to go take <laughs> care of that in a minute, but you and I have a musical background. And your wife is in social work, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so is mine. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> so you get the psychoanalytical discussions all the time. Oh, about absolutely. What and you say and how it came across and what you could say better and how you could say it better. <laughs> yes. And here's the thing. <laughs> I, over time, have gotten so interested in it myself. Like I, uh -huh. I said it in the, in the first episode, I have found that I really... I'm genuinely interested in listening to people that I disagree with because I don't understand that perspective and I want mm -hmm. to because an opposite perspective doesn't mean it's the wrong one. And that you, you have great conversations with my wife. I can I can have a conversation with a person I disagree with as long as they don't start throwing those passive aggressive names and stuff or like, you know, as soon as they start doing that, I check out. I'm like, no, nope, yeah. I'm done. Well, you and you, your wife and I had a quick back and forth. I think it was, I don't know, maybe it was during Roe v. Wade or something. But oh gosh, we had a we had a we had a nice, peaceful political discussion, and I think we were on the same side with each other. Where it was like this red versus blue just doesn't work. Yeah. It's just not working. But so yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe I, I'd want to reach out to her and and get her on here. Maybe get her to talk to my wife as well. I, I want to have I want to do a, an episode with my wife, but that'll be more really just for me because <laughs> I don't know how because, you know, I don't know how how interested somebody's going to uh, be in our conversation. But my wife and I talk almost every night about stuff and we we get goofy and we also get really serious. And I just love that whole spectrum of conversation. Um, That's good. But yeah, thank you very much. Uh, I gotta, my son just, I, I, I chalk it up to, he's sleeping very efficiently. <laughs> well, it's like you, right? You're like, I'm done with six hours. He's right. like, I get oh, seven dude, and I'm I, done. I pass out within 10 minutes, if not less. Mm -hmm. And then I, you know, get the whole night's sleep and then I wake up. So, uh, thank you very much. Did you want to plug anything? Your retro slot podcast? Uh, I'm sure. When do you guys do that? <laughs> generally every other tuesdays uh 7 p.m eastern on the dcp live channel on twitch and then it'll go out to youtube and the other podcast stuff they really need to we've been talking about them separating out into a different feed because if you search for like retro game podcast it doesn't even get it doesn't even pop up even if you search for a retro slot it won't pop up you have to go to dcp's uh feed and like right. look for it oh so. man the number of podcasts that 
if you type to if you try to search antisocial podcast on Spotify, you won't find me for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you won't find the podcast for a while. It's a lot of it's mostly like people that haven't done anything with it since or mm-hmm. just like there was one I think that was called the antisocial podcast and it was just 30 second sound bites of some like 12 year old talking into their AirPod <laughs> microphone. So He's getting it. So yeah, so it's so right now it's word of mouth, which is fine. Cool. Uh, but thank you very much for taking the time to talk, and uh, I will uh, see you in chat, my friend. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'll catch you later.